This is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. This episode of Cruise Radio Rewind is by request from Jessica. Her and her husband are sailing in the Mediterranean in a couple of weeks, and they wanted to hear a review of Holland America's Dam. So you request it. I'll put it in. Be sure to get your request here, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. Be happy to put it in queue for you. So Dr. Chris just returned from a 12-night cruise in the Mediterranean from Venice over to Barcelona, and he joins us on the line. How you doing, man? Great. How about you, Doug? Good, man. Thanks for uh, coming by this evening and chatting about this Mediterranean cruise on the Dam, a ship that I don't think we've ever done in 10 years of broadcasting here on Cruise Radio. So excited to talk about this one. But before we get there, as we always do, we're going to take a step back. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this long cruise on the Dam? Um, I think what really inspired this was we did a, a kind of cheap Mediterranean cruise uh, maybe a year and a half ago in the winter, and we really loved the ports. And so we wanted to explore more of the Mediterranean, but at the same time, we didn't want to repeat the ports. And my son had an interest in Pompeii, and uh, we found this itinerary that left out of Venice, a place we wanted to see. And um, it just kind of checked all the boxes. Talk to me about the airfare, because you're over in San Diego, and you had to get to Venice. And this time of year, it's not really cheap. Yeah, we were fortunate that when we booked our cruise with Holland America, they were offering um, a discount on airfare. I think it was $300 per person. And we had also wanted to spend some extra time in Europe before coming back. So we were able to get airfare through Holland America's flight. I think they call it flight ease program mm -hmm. for just under $600 per person round trip. And that was a, a connection in Atlanta going into Venice and then a direct flight from Zurich where we ended up back to San Diego. So I'm curious, this flight ease program, is this something like NCL does with their adding on the airfare as a perk, or is this just a program of them booking flights? They always have pretty competitive flights, even without a kind of a discount in the sales. I think it was just a sales promotion. Mm -hmm. So it's not like what I've seen on NCL where they book the air for you. This was really, you go in and you pick whatever flights you want. And most of the flights they offer are um, what they call flexible fares. So you can cancel them up to 45 days in advance. Oh. So we book it, usually book the airfare right away. And if we find something cheaper, then we buy it on our own. And if we don't, then we know we have a price secured. Did you do any pre-cruise time in Venice? Yeah, we spent a couple of days in Venice uh, before the ship left. I don't think you can go to Venice without spending some time there. Did you stay in the old city there? We did. We originally had booked uh, uh, the hotel you had previously mentioned, the Hilton Garden Inn. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't that much more expensive when I was shopping around with early booking to stay in the old city. If I had to do it over again, I'd probably stay on the mainland and just take the bus in just because it's so much cheaper to get to your hotel that way. When it comes time to board the Veendam, um, how was the embarkation process boarding in? I did it years ago, and I can't remember if it's if all the piers are set up the same, was it a normal cruise terminal and you just walked on the ship like you do, say, in Miami? Pretty close. We took a water taxi or, you know, a speedboat because it takes you right along the ships. 
and they collected our bags, but unbeknownst to us, we actually had to walk like two piers over. Mm -hmm. So luckily we didn't have to take our bags with us, but it was a pretty long walk. It was about a 20 minute walk to get to the ship. And then it was your normal terminal building. And then, um, unlike the normal gangways to board the ship, they had this automated elevator system that took you up and then you crossed the gangway to board. And how was the embarkation? It was easy. I think one person was in front of us in line. We maybe waited two minutes to get an agent, did the paperwork and went through security and were on board in, I don't know, 10 minutes. I remember you sailed Gosh, it's probably your first interview you did with me was back what you did the Mazdam with Holland America, like maybe eight or nine years ago. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Okay. We did the Mazdam from uh, Montreal to Boston. And is this ship about the same size as the Mazdam? Because I know the, the Mazdam is a really small ship. Yeah, I think it's the identical. It's the. I think it's the last of that class. I don't remember the name of the class, but it was uh, launched in 1996. And so it's pretty much identical to the Mazdam. What were your impressions walking on board? It's nice. Um, Holland America has good sized rooms. Um, The only thing missing, we had an ocean view stateroom, was a refrigerator, which we knew going in. The older ships don't have refrigerators. So we just brought a pop-up cooler and had the um, stateroom attendant keep keep it filled with ice as a makeshift refrigerator. You know, we just did an ocean view stateroom on the Spirit Norwegian Cruise Lines uh, not too long ago. And... I would say this one was slightly bigger. I think the thing that really surprised me was how big uh, the credenza or main desk was. It was pretty much from the closet to the end of the bed. So you had lots of storage space. Um, You had six drawers. You had probably six shelves in the closet and two full-size hanging wardrobes. So there was plenty of space. Um, the sofa bed was the type like they use on Disney where it just flips over. So it doesn't get any wider than the sofa itself. It's not like a fold out bed that blocks the floor space. Mm -hmm. So it worked out well. The only real disappointment was they had the crappiest TV I think I've ever seen. (laughs) And my son was joking that we had a flashback to the 1990s because it looked like, you know, um, TV would get over a very bad antenna, <laughs> all staticky and that's poor quality. That's funny that he would say that because he was not even in existence in the 90s, but still remembers exactly. that. Like me, I would be like, that's from the 70s because I grew up in the 90s or 80s. But yeah, that's right. funny. Um, so let's talk about dining on board the Veen Dam. Of course, you're not going to find all the bells and whistles, but we're going to start in the main dining room. So how was uh, what time dining did you have and how uh, was your experience? We did anytime dining with a port intensive cruise. We found that that works better because you can go anytime between, say, 5.30 or 5.45 until about 9.30. We didn't want to be locked down to a set time. And uh, the dining was very efficient. Uh, We found a wait team that really fit our speed. We kind of like to be in and out. We don't like to dilly-dally. And food was really good and had no complaints there at all. Was there any kind of weights at any given time? We were given a pager on one or two occasions, Mm -hmm. but I think the longest time we waited was 10 minutes at the most. 
And as far as the Lido Deck Marketplace, the buffet area up at the top, how was that? Um, it was good. We actually did room service breakfast a lot, so we didn't really get to enjoy it for breakfast except for the last couple of days. Um, and that's one of the nice perks of Holland America. You can get a hot breakfast through room service. Um, I will say it got a little repetitive for lunch and dinner. They seem to carry over a lot of the same items. So if you ate lunch in the Lido, you probably wouldn't want to eat dinner or vice versa because it was pretty much the same offerings. They did have a couple of themed days, mm-hmm. though. Um, they had for lunch on the second sea day a seafood extravaganza, and they had prawns and crab legs, king crab legs, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a pretty nice selection. Speaking of selection... We were talking before we started recording here, and you were telling me about the pizza, the burger, and the taco bar. Talk to me more about these fine establishments. Yeah. One of the reasons why we picked Holland America um, from some of the other lines that were doing similar routes is really because they had some quick grab-and-go food options. Um, When you're on a cruise more than seven days, I think the food gets a little kind of repetitious so having choices really helps especially if you're popping on the ship to um grab a meal before you get off so oftentimes my son would get tired out after touring in the morning so we would put him in the kids club in the afternoon and then go out and explore the port um after so we'd grab lunch and go so the burger bar it's kind of like a competitor like guys not quite as good as guys but they have a good selection of burgers they also have hot dogs the taco bar has pretty much anything you could want to make burritos or tacos or nachos And then the pizza place is uh, custom-ordered pizzas. So it just gives you a nice variety of things to grab and go instead of spending time or eating a huge meal in the Lido. Okay, so are these three different bars, I guess for one, is the burger place a dive-in burger? Yes, correct. And then are these extensions of the Lido marketplace or are these like poolside areas? So one is poolside. The dive-in is mm-hmm. kind of poolside. The taco bar is adjacent. It's just like a buffet station in front of the dive-in. And then the pizza place is, I think it's New York Pizzeria. Um, it's in the aft of the Lido in kind of the little adult area where they have they used to have a pool back there. I guess when they refurbished the ship, they just put in like little soaking tubs. I don't know what to call them. They're these weird bodies of water that aren't very deep. (laughs) Okay. The other two uh, restaurants on board, the Pinnacle Grill, which is the steakhouse, and then Canaletto, which is their Italian restaurant that's kind of located within the Lido marketplace. Um, Did you have a chance to dine at either of those? Yeah, we did. Um, Another thing we do on longer cruises is we usually do a dining package to Mm -hmm. kind of break up the main dining room. And we just uh, look at the menu. And if it's a night where nothing really appeals to us, then we go off to the specialty restaurants. Uh, We also booked a couple of the one night off specialties that they had. So Pinnacle we did on the first night. And it was very good. Um, Probably the best experience I've had in a Pinnacle. Um, In past sailings, we've tried it, and there's always been one dish that just didn't quite work, either an entree or a dessert or an appetizer. I would say this round, it hit all the marks across all categories. Um, We also did the pop-up Sol de Mar, Mm -hmm. the seafood night in the Pinnacle, and that was very good. 
I think my favorite was actually Canaletto. They changed the menu up. And so um, we had several really good meals there. And we also did the wine ma- or cellar master's dinner, which is kind of like a chef's table. And that was very good. Each, each course was paired with a glass of wine. The only one that didn't knock it out of the park was we did lunch. We've never done lunch at the Pinnacle. Mm-hmm. And we did it on the second sea day because it was fully booked on the first sea day. And my son got a steak that we had to send back because it had saran wrap on it. I think they never fully removed the saran wrap before they cooked the steak. And they were really good about replacing it. And then my wife got a piece of fish that was fatty and raw in the middle. And so that had to go back. But other than that, that was the only kind of dining miss that we had on the whole trip. You mentioned the dining package. So is there much value there? Like how much approximately did you save going with a package against, you know, paying once you got to the venue? So we weren't going to buy the package because I think it only saved you like $6 across the two restaurants. Mm -hmm. But then they increased the price, the cover price of the restaurants, and they hadn't raised the price of the package. So it ended up being a better deal. So I pre-booked the package. And it ended up being a significant discount. But I think right now they've adjusted the package price. So it's only a few dollars savings. I've always been a big fan of Holland America's Canaletto until they took the chicken parm off the menu and only serve it one night a week now. Well, here's the trick. Go in, talk to the chef. My wife really wanted the braised short ribs, Mm -hmm. but they only served it on Tuesdays and we were going on Wednesday. So when we went up and made our reservation, we asked if we could talk to the chef and we asked if it was possible. He called down to the kitchen, made sure they saved him a short rib and we were able to get the short rib on the off night. See, now there you go. You have it figured out. Yeah. And he actually made two just in case one of them didn't turn out. So after we ate it, he said, you know, I have another one in the back if you're interested and <laughs> We shouldn't have said yes, but we didn't want him to feel bad. And since it was so good, we're like, what the heck? And cruise calories don't count either. That's right. Um, and it was hot. We were sweating them off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you walk a lot like in those ports of call. Uh, yes. How about desserts on the ship? The desserts were pretty good overall. Um, we have an allergy in the family, so we're a little bit limited. So my son re- really was a fan of the ice cream bar. Mm-hmm. You can get fresh ice cream. Um, it was hit and miss in the Lido marketplace, but the desserts in the dining room were pretty good. The only night I can think of where the desserts were a little lackluster was in the pop-up cell they mayor. As far as sea days, I know this was a very port-intensive itineraries, as most of them always are. Um, how was the ship as far as crowds and congestion? It was fine. I mean, it's only 1,300 or so passengers. Um, the one downside would be it only has one pool. Mm-hmm. But even then, I wouldn't say it was overly crowded. We were able, to, when we went to the gym, to get machines fine. Occasionally, there was a little bit of difficulty getting a table in the Lido. But as long as you were willing to sit outside in the shade... That wasn't a major problem. So I think it actually handled crowds better than some of the other ships I've been on. Did the ship feel full, though? 
I, I know it was full because mm-hmm. the you know they always put those signs up about upgrades. Yeah. Um, but I would say no, it didn't feel full, and I think it's just because of the size of the ship. Uh, you know, so few people. It's easy to get on and off at ports. The theater was never fully crowded. Now, you know, that could be exhaustion also. Mm-hmm. You know, people just tired and not doing the nightlife on the ship. But I really never felt like there were crowds anywhere. When we were doing our Mediterranean cruise, speaking of people being exhausted, we would be in bed by like nine o'clock at night saying, it's nine o'clock and we're already on in bed. We're so old. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're, you know, some of the ports, they were there till like 11 o'clock at night. And then, you know, the next morning you're in port at seven or eight. And then the, you have the heat and the, you know, walking. It gets hot over there in the summertime. That is yeah. for certain. So let's talk about the entertainment on board. So how do, what is Holland America doing these days with, with entertainment? I know it's kind of a, they're using a dance troupe on some ships. They're doing lounge singers on some ships, I guess, depending on which one you're on. What was this one like? Uh, good question. We honestly didn't do much of the entertainment. We did see a magician one night, and I saw kind of the where they brought back two of the guest entertainers for a farewell performance, but I honestly didn't go to any of the production shows. Um, our, another reason we picked the ship is it had a movie theater. We'd rather watch movies than go to a production show. The only exception I would say is they do a deal with um, BBC, is it Planet Earth? Mm -hmm. And they do Planet Earth in concert with the the band. That's really good. We saw it on the Conan Sam and we insisted that my son join us on the um, Veen Dam. And he really enjoyed that. And that was a very dynamic performance. But the nice thing with Holland America is you have those options. You have the movie theater. You have classical music in the lounges. You have, uh, I think they had two piano venues. They had kind of a sing-along, and then they had more of a uh, uh, performance pianist. So there was always something to do if you were interested in finding something to do. With the movie theater, was this like first-run movies? or It's like what you would see on an airplane. So it wasn't yet on DVD, but not still in theaters. Okay. As far as the ports of call on this sailing, um, so you had like nine of them, I think. So what we'll do here is just um, give us the port of call, what you did, and a highlight, and move to the next one. First day was a sea day. Second day was Dubrovnik, Croatia, and we were very fortunate to be the only ship in port. So we had booked a tuk-tuk tour, the battery-powered open-air little vehicle, and it started with a one-hour walking tour of the old city, and then it took us to a few viewpoints and um, showing where the the standoff was during the, the war back in the 90s. And we really liked Dubrovnik. Uh, I would definitely say the old town is worth a visit. Um, then we hit Sarande, Albania. And that's a port where your money goes a really long way. We were able to book a Jeep tour privately for 39 euros. And it was an all-day kind of off-road tour that not only went to a couple of different castles and the beach – but there was a lunch stop for 10 euros that was fabulous, um, included wine and 
pretty much all you could eat, um, although the entree was made for you specifically. And we also went to a blue hole, which is this um, natural spring that people dive into. Mm-hmm. Then we went to Olympia, Greece, did a tour of Olympia, and then we had a sea day. Then we hit Naples, where we toured Pompeii, Sorrento, and the Amalfi Coast. Then the next day was Civitavicia. I know you say it better than I do. (laughs) And we hired a private driver to pretty much see what we didn't see last time we were in Rome. Mm -hmm. Because last time we did drive-bys of all the main sites because we spent most of our time touring the Vatican and all that. So this time we did the Spanish Steps, the Colosseum, the Trevi Fountain, that type of stuff. And that worked out really well because since it was a private vehicle, he could get close to all the sites. And then in Livorno, we took a tour of Florence and Pisa, the Leaning Tower. And then we went on to Monte Carlo. And that was a long port stop. We were there from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. So we explored Monte Carlo. We let my sons stay on the ship, and then we decided, you know what, we have so much time, let's go over to um, Nice, France, because it's only four euros one way and 30 minutes by train. So we went and got my son off the ship, and then we did an afternoon, early evening in Nice. Mm -hmm. And then the next day was Toulon, France, where we went to Cassis. And then the last day before disembarkation was Seti, France, which was a great walking town. I just the town seemed really welcoming. I was going to say, how beautiful is Cassis? It's beautiful. I wish we had more time there. That's my only Uh disappointment. My wife was in heaven though because they had a open air market going. Mm And my son was in heaven because they had the rice balls that he discovered in Italy a couple cruises ago. I went there last year, I think, on Carnival Horizon. And it was one of those, I forgot what port we were in. Would it have been Marseille, you think? Yeah, yeah, you could get there from Marseille. Okay. It was probably Marseille. And I'm like, I just picked an excursion because I wanted to do something. And I've already been to Provence. It was just so picturesque. You have the cliffs there. You have the little restaurants on the water, the marina. It's just one of those off-the-beaten-path type places. Our tour started, they took the long way around. So we actually started on top of the cliffs looking down on Cassis. And then we drove down into Cassis. So that made it even more dramatic. I think I did like Cassis on your own. So they just kind of dumped us off for eight hours or six hours and let us explore. I think I would like that better, to be honest. Because I think we only had a couple hours in Cassis itself. Could have used more time. Yeah. With all these shore excursions you did, did you book all these third party? All but Cassis. Okay. That one was actually cheaper through the ship. How packed was Rome in July? You know, because we were there on a Sunday, it wasn't that bad because um, all the when we were going, we saw a lot of traffic, but it was all going towards the port. Mm -hmm. And our driver said that was all the beach traffic. So we got back to the port in less than an hour because there was no traffic returning to the ship. Um You know, it was crowded, but it wasn't that bad, I think, just because it was a Sunday. So uh, most of the ships that are at the port on Sunday are either disembarking passengers or taking new passengers on. So they're not really touring on that day. So it worked out really well to be there on a Sunday, unless you wanted to go to the Vatican and then you were out of luck. 
because of Game of Thrones, Dubrovnik is like the newest European hotspot. Did you notice Game of Thrones souvenirs around there or tours being offered? I saw a lot of cars talking about, you know, Game of Thrones tours. Mm -hmm. Although I'll be honest, I was more excited when I found out one of the Star Wars scenes was filmed there. Um <laughs> I'm not a Game of Thrones fan, um, but a lot of my friends are, so they were jealous. Mm. So we did see the steps where they filmed um, Game of Thrones, but I know that has led to concerns about too many cruise ships. So our tour guide told us that starting next year, even though they have the capacity for four cruise ships, they're going to limit it to two cruise ships per day. That makes sense. When you were in Venice, I know Venice has been pushing back against cruise ships, especially after that MSC ship pretty much plowed through their pier a couple of months back. Was there any kind of like ramblings or did you notice anything since that incident occurred while you were in Venice? I saw posters that advertised the big protests they had mm -hmm. after the MSC incident. Um, and I saw a couple things scribbled on the advertisements for the protests about you know, kind of anti-cruise ship. I think it was also heightened by a fact that there was a publicized incident about a ship that kind of veered towards a, a yacht while going down the canal because of high winds. Mm -hmm. We were supposed to leave at 9 p.m. and we didn't leave until 2 a.m. The harbor master changed the sailing schedule. And I'm pretty confident from the scuttlebutt I heard is that was to appease some of the concerns in Venice about the the ships navigating the channel with smaller vessels. So they staggered the departures then, it sounds like. Yep. Did you purchase the internet package or any minutes on this sailing? No. What I've been doing um, is I buy a European SIM card. Mm -hmm. And so for 30 bucks, I get 12 gigabytes high speed. And since we're in port every day, it just made sense to go that route. So you buy a European SIM card. What do you normally have, an Android or an iPhone? I have an Android. And do you buy like a burner phone or you just put it inside your current phone? No, my current phone actually is dual SIM cards. Okay. Um, but I have an old uh, Nexus phone that I usually just carry and um, I use it mainly as a hotspot. So we hook everything to that phone that we're just using as a hotspot. Yeah, the SIM card technically cannot be used for a, um, a MiFi type device, mm -hmm. but you can use it in a phone and then hotspot from the phone. So it was 30 bucks. It gives you a month of service, and it seemed like the way to go. And it was because I could buy gigs. a half gig plan through T Mobile, but that's five bucks a day. I have T Mobile as well, and I use them. Well, I mean, I have them because I travel a lot. And I do like that you can have data anywhere in the world with them, except Alaska, which is ridiculous. But I've always wondered like workarounds because trying to hook up to your, you know, tether using your T-Mobile phone as a hotspot in Europe with 3G is, you know, going back to 1990 AOL dial-up days. It's not even 3G, it's 2G. Or 2G, yeah. Yeah, it's 256. It's, okay, yeah. Or it could be 128, depending on what plan you have. Mm -hmm. But it's slow, yeah. It's not something I would even want my worst enemy to have to suffer through. <laughs> I guess first world problems, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so when you wrap this trip up in Barcelona, how was disembarkation? Uh, we had a flight to, we went to Zurich after the cruise, Switzerland. So... Our flight wasn't until about three in the afternoon, so we picked 
one of the later uh, disembarkation times. So we went up, had lunch in the buffet, hung out in our room, and I think we were called at 9.20 to disembark, and it was pretty much just a walk-off, collected our bags. Um, maybe the line for cabs was a little long but efficient. I'd say we waited maybe 20 minutes for a cab, and then we're at the airport. So from cabin to airport, I'd say it was less than 45 minutes. And do you remember what that fare ran you? It's a flat fee, so it was 30-some euros, 39, I want to say. Okay. It was under 40. Do you tip extra for the cab rides over there? Like throw them a couple extra euros, or how does that work in Europe? It depends. Usually on the flat fare, I don't. You know, it depends on the country. I always look at, you know, who to tip type sites. Mm -hmm. And usually uh, in Barcelona, um, it really depends on if they've done anything special, you know. Carrying your bags or whatever. Right. And sometimes they charge extra for bags depending on the country. So if they are already charging for the bags, I tend not to tip. Mm -hmm. But if they're not, then I tend to tip. How about when you're when you landed in Venice at the start of the cruise? Um, did you take a cab into the old city or did you was there like a hotel shuttle there? How did that work for you? Um, we originally had booked the bus mm-hmm. um, to the kind of turnaround spot right there in Venice. And then the hotel also was willing to arrange a land taxi and transfer to a water taxi. But we found that um, it wasn't it was actually slightly less expensive just to take the water taxi. Um, straight from the airport. It was pricey, but there's no better way to get to your hotel than a private speedboat through the canals. Wow. But you pay for it. From the airport? Yeah. And did you just, like, did you have to take a transfer, like a shuttle to the dock from the airport, or can you walk there right from the airport? You can walk there. It's a covered walkway. Um, You're kind of walking along the, where all the parking garages are. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you get to the docks and yeah, you just take, it goes past Murano and into the Grand Canal and then takes the back alleys because we were on the, facing the canal that the cruise ships transit. I didn't realize you could do that. I, of course, when I landed in Venice, I was up for, I think, 30 hours at the, at that point. So I was so jet lagged. That turnaround point in Venice where the, what is that, Piazza Roma? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I okay. think so. Where all the, the city Some buses and stuff are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, but it's pricey. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, as we were talking before we started recording, if I had it to do over again, I'd probably stay on the mainland right there at the end of the bridge and just take the bus in because we had a transit pass anyway that would have covered it. And then you can just take a land taxi straight to your hotel. And then you could take a land taxi straight to the ship. You know, we probably spent 200 bucks between the, the taxi to the hotel and the taxi to the cruise ship. Well, do you have any tips to offer people who may be sailing a Mediterranean cruise for their first time? We really appreciated doing our winter cruises after being there in the summer. Mm, I'm sure. Um, we're in our 40s. We're, you know, we're fairly fit. I do half marathons, but the heat really got intense in some days. And we actually were not there during the hottest of times. We actually hit it when it was pretty cool. We lucked out. Um, so be prepared. Uh, definitely pack a lot of light clothing and shorts. Carry lots of water on tours with you. 
But also consider if you have the flexibility, there are cruises in the winter where the airfare is usually half the price. Mm -hmm. And you get to see a lot of the same ports with little or no crowds. If you are going in the summer, which is obviously more convenient uh, for most people's schedules, especially if you have kids that are in school, you know, find a cruise line that meets your needs. But also it might be worth looking at cruise calendar websites to see how many ships are in port when you're there as well. So we were lucky that in most ports, we were only one, the only ship or one of two ships in port. And that makes for a much more pleasant visit than when you have seven or eight ships in port. It's funny you say that because I'm the same way. So my go-to site is cruisecal.com, like cruise calendar, C-A-L. Before I book a sailing, I'll go to cruisecal.com and see what ships I'm going to be in port with and what time they're going to be there because I love seeing other cruise ships. Dr. Chris, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. My pleasure, Doug. Always enjoy talking with Dr. Chris. And by the way, don't feel bad about dropping me an email asking for a ship review. Since I first announced it a couple of weeks ago, I've gotten over 100 emails of people asking for reviews. So I'm going to slowly start dripping them out, uh, mostly depending on when you're sailing. But secondly, you know, during these Cruise Radio Rewind episodes to kind of get them expedited, I guess we could say. Doug at cruiseradio.net to reach me. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Take care.